since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too good to be true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains, like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne, of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety. I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Hello, happy Monday. How are you? How is your week? How is it going? I'm excited for today's episode. So Casey Davidson of the Hello Someday podcast and I did a collab episode. So she is going to release this one. I'm releasing it today. We talk all about, oh man, you guys, we get into it. We get into how mommy wine culture did not just, you know, come about because moms thought it was cute and found that wine helped. No, this has been a very, very calculated effort on the part of big alcohol and lobbyists and marketers to target women because 
they needed more customers and they knew it because their original customer base, men were dying and they needed more people to drink their poison. And so we get into all of it. Casey comes with facts. She comes with research. You guys, you know that I am not, I mean, I just get on here and talk about my experience and what I've learned and what I'm thinking. I don't have facts. I'm not, I'm just not, that's not how my mind works. Casey does. I tell her people like me need people like her (laughs) because she comes with all the facts. She shares a lot about the research. And this is from the lobbyists and the big alcohol executives themselves. This is not guessing. This is not speculating. You guys, this episode is a must listen to anyone who has been tricked by mommy wine culture. And I'm guessing that's all of us because it's really, really damn good marketing. I hope you enjoy it. I also, I'm going to do something very new and very exciting. Okay. So we are going to do this thing where if you leave a five-star review and include a question in your review, I'm going to answer it in a podcast episode at the end. So do that. If you have a question for me, leave a five-star review, include your question in the review comment, and I'll answer it. Don't forget, if you want community and connection in early sobriety, in later sobriety, or if you're just still trying to figure it all out, come and join the Sober Mom Life Cafe. We have amazing women who are doing the same thing, evaluating their relationship with alcohol, finding freedom in lives without alcohol. Come and join us. Today's the last day to get it for $10 a month. Prices go up for new members to $15 a month on August 1st. Today is the last day. Your price will not go up. $10 a month, you get so many things. You get bonus podcast episode. I do a Sunday check-in every week. You get weekly Zoom meetings. We are up to four meetings a week where you get to connect with women just like you. You get to talk with me. You also get book club. We have our book club. We're reading Hey Hun by Emily Paulson. We are meeting this Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central. We also have conversation with the author. So Emily will be coming to talk with us on the 9th. You get to sign up to share your story on the Real Sober Mom chats. And you get exclusive Discord chat where you get to connect with women like you all day long. They are always talking over there. I love it so much. Come and join us. We would love to have you. It's the Sober Mom Life Cafe. You can find the link in the show notes. Bring your own coffee and we will provide the connection and the community. Okay. I hope you enjoy this episode with Casey of the Hello Someday podcast. Hi, everybody. I am so excited. Today, I'm with Casey of the Hello Someday podcast. And we're going to talk. We're going to talk about how alcohol is targeting women, how that plays out in advertising and marketing and social media. And I've been an influencer for, oh God, nine years now? Too long. And so I know kind of the ins and outs of that. And Casey, you know, all of the other stuff. Yeah. So I was, uh, before I started coaching for 20 years, I was in product marketing, brand marketing, marketing communications. 
both for B2B companies. I worked for a photography company that did entertainment imagery as well and video as well as news and sports and advertising. I worked at L'Oreal. So huge focus group, brand marketing, loyalty Mm -hmm. towards women. And then also I worked at this company that rented designer handbags like Prada and all the big ones. Oh, what was that? Can it was called Bag Bar or Steel. And when I, I remember went, that. you know that? Oh, yes, for sure. Oh. Yes. So I was their director of branding and Marcom. And when I joined, it was when they were being featured in the first Sex in the City movie. Do you movie. remember Jennifer yeah. Hudson being like, I rented it from Bag Bar or Steel? Yes, it was yeah. the it was like a Louis Vuitton uh, denim patchwork bag. Oh my maybe, God, look something. at you. I know. I, oh, yeah, oh, I, I don't, don't even yes. remember that. And <laughs> yes. like, it was the biggest thing in company history. And at L'Oreal, we got on Oprah's favorite things for the holiday season, which was huge. And so like, I know how much money goes into that. We also paid, I work for Clarisonic, which is their skincare product. And we literally paid $10,000, $20,000 to influencers to create YouTube videos and social posts and all that stuff. So we know both sides. We do. And we're women too, by the way. And we used to drink a shitload of alcohol. Yes. And we were targeted. So we know all of it. We bought in, we were part of mommy wine culture. We were part of the women empowerment. This is what working Mm. women do all the things. Yeah. The glamorization of alcohol, right? Yes. Yeah. And one of the reasons that I want to do this is because I feel like women have been conditioned through influencers, through marketing, through advertising campaigns, through social media, but also through each other. Like Mm. all of society has bought in and absorbed this message. And it's like this circular firing squad where like, yes, you get advertising and movies and all this stuff. And your sister and best friend and mother also buy in. And I feel like we need to be informed media consumers in Mm -hmm. order to not believe the hype. Totally. Man, this is such a big topic. And this is one that I talk about all the time because I think that targeting women and especially mothers isn't new right? Like you think about back in the sixties with mommy's little helper, was that Valium or right? So this idea that moms are always searching for something to make motherhood easier, because that's the fact that the fact remains is that motherhood is fucking hard. And like, we do need help and moms do need help. And so we are like, we're a marketer's dream because we not only control, generally speaking, what comes into our house, right? Like and we do the, the financial budget. You know, yes. everybody thinks it's the men, even when 
women did not work, which now they do, usually 50 50, mm-hmm. and bring in the same amount of income. But even before that, women make the majority of financial spending decisions. Yes, we are the CEOs of our house. And this is generally speaking, right? And marketers know that. They know, first of all, that we make the spending decisions. And they also know that we're stressed and that we need help, right? And so that's what, you know, in in the 60s and the 50s and 60s, the mommy's little helper and all of that, the whole Valium thing. It's just the same thing now with alcohol. There are two things about it. One, I mean, I Ann Dowsett Johnston, who wrote the book Drink, she does a ton of research for her work and she calls alcohol the modern woman's steroid, you know, mm. allowing her to do it all, even though we know all it does is drag her down and keep yeah. her stuck. And yeah. And the second thing is that I feel that the way alcohol is marketed to women and the way women consume it. It's like, since you talk to a bunch of moms and I do too, it's like a pacifier. Like when a baby is crying or when a baby is tired or when you need to be somewhere, but the baby is basically being like, I can't do this anymore. You stick a pacifier in. And that is what women have been doing. They've been numbing themselves Mm -hmm. so that they can tolerate the lives they've set up and the responsibilities and all the shit. Yes. I actually picture, and I didn't realize all of this stuff, right? When you're in it and when you're being targeted by really fucking good marketing, you don't know you're being marketed to. That's what makes it great. But now that I kind of have this like 30,000 foot view of everything, I literally picture like four men in black suits sitting at my kitchen island. I'm a very visual person. And I picture them just like pushing a drink toward me, like in a nice pink can or whether that's like white claw or like wine or whatever it is. And just saying, like, no more, no more talking. And this kind of gets into like the whole patriarchy. I don't know what is more powerful than a sober woman with a clear head who knows what she wants and knows what she needs. And demands it and has and, and isn't afraid and values herself. Yes. And I don't think there's anything more powerful. And it's not an accident that we've been marketed to because if they weren't afraid of us, they wouldn't want us to be quiet. Okay. And not only that, there is a meme, something going around social that I've seen multiple times that I hate and I love because it's so fucking true. And if you mm. look at it, with a critical eye, you're like, what the actual fuck? It is this thing that is supposed to be funny. And it's like a man's guide to dealing with women, sort of like men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Yeah, And it says ultra dangerous, dangerous, okay, safe, very safe. And in each one, like the dangerous thing is to come home and be like, What'd you do all day? Right. Dick. Mm -hmm. Or Mm -hmm. are you wearing that? You know, like all this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, then there's dangerous, whatever safe, like, 
oh, honey, you look nice, you know, or whatever, like, yeah. And the ultra safe in every single category is here, honey, have some wine. And it is fucking true. Mm -hmm. It is true. And, you know, all of the memes and all of this stuff that we just kind of scroll through on social media and we see all of that sinks in and all of that is just further normalizing this idea that not only is wine and alcohol, not only is it, you know, accepted in motherhood, but that it's essential. And that's what we've been taught that we need this. And, you know, a lot of people I talk to, I think they assume that it's just like, oh, this is just kind of by mistake. Like mom stumbled onto wine thinking that it helped us. And then when it did help us, we just spread the word because we want to help other people too. And that's just not true. That's not how all of this shit storm started. No. And it's insidious. Mm -hmm. And I hate it because this happens a whole lot when people talk about alcohol and women and do not mention that alcohol is addictive. They're like, it's a coping mechanism. Women are using it for fun. And it's like, yes, it becomes a habit and it's a fucking addictive substance. It's working as designed. It's not your fault that when you drink, you want to drink more, you want to drink more often. And just like smoking, the industry knows that. They count on that. It's so true that we were just not educated in how highly addictive alcohol is and that it's it's right up there with nicotine. It's as yeah. addictive as nicotine. I was talking to a friend the other day and she was like, you know, I drink wine at night and I'm like, okay, like that's fine. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not on oh, yeah. a, even though people think I'm on a crusade, I'm not on a crusade in my personal life. And, you know, she's like, well, it's no different than like, sugar or coffee. And I'm like, well, that's, yeah, it is. That's, yeah, that's where you're wrong. And I was like, well, it's a highly addictive drug. And she's like, what? Alcohol is not addictive. (laughs) And I was like, oh, oh man. And I feel like young people, they're wise to this shit. And I was even listening to a podcast called the conversation last night, talking about all the reasons Gen Z is drinking less And Mm. there were all these factors, but they are wise to this shit, including the impact on mental health, the cancer connection, the heart history connection. And they're very worried with social media that they're like one bad night can fuck up your entire life. I I want to have a job. Yeah. Could you imagine if we had social media when we were, oh my God. Oh my God. I I would be fucking screwed. For life. I mean, I do think Gen Z has it right. I mean, Gen Z's focus on mental health is going to lead them in the right direction because we were not focused on mental health. Gen X. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I have to read this because I normally on my podcast get lovely reviews. And by the way, I read them all and it totally makes my day and makes me so happy. We love the reviews. And the pod just hit 1 million downloads, which I'm so excited about, but I've gotten like two shitty reviews and I have to read this one because it relates to this topic. She says, love it and hate it. I have felt compelled to speak up to this anti-wine culture being created. 
I've really benefited from the resources that help me cut back on drinking. I drank every night, yada, yada. She said, but I don't like this. No wine is good for you shaming. I have many oh. friends who binge on sugar and McDonald's overspending and shopping. And by the way, I never shame anyone. I'm always like, dude, I was the biggest pusher. Yes, we're anti-shame. culture, I did X, Y, Z. And she said, I personally would never say you must stop 100% or else you are a failure. By the way, I never said that. Totally. But she says, there are shades of that, you know, with the new trendy, I'm doing quotes because it's mm-hmm. in the review, sobriety influencer it reminds me of the kids that always go overboard at the birthday party and ruin it for everybody else. So just so you know, we're fucking the kid at the birthday party. Too like much, too much sugar. Ruins it. Yeah. That's so funny. Which oh by the way, with wine, I was the person at the birthday party, but like, well, also, really? I am how? that person with sugar now. Like, yeah, I am the kid in the corner eating too much cake. And infantilizing is that. Yes. Okay. Like, this... she's talking, no offense. Oh, my God. I'm going to get hate mail for this. No, like, you're maybe, not. No, maybe she still listens. I apologize. We love you. Please don't <laughs> shit on me, even though this is shitty of me to say about. But, like, the idea that, like, okay, I never say you must stop completely. I never say you're a failure. It took me a decade of worrying about my alcohol consumption to stop. I would try more than once, yada, yada. I am sort of anti-wine culture because I'm sharing the truth, which we're talking about. Yes. Also, don't love being characterized as the kids who go overboard (laughs) on the birthday party and eat too much cake and ruin it for everyone else. Like, Also, what's wrong with that kid? He needs love too. First of all, we are anti-wine culture. I am proudly anti-wine culture because everywhere we turn, we are told that wine is the answer as women and as moms. And damn it, someone has to tell the truth. And I will proudly be anti-wine culture. Does that mean you're a failure if you still drink wine? No. Like you, Casey, like I will never call anyone a failure. But what I will do is share the truth and the science and what I have found in freedom and sobriety. Like, yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Let's be anti-wine culture. Yeah. I'm also anti-negative reviews. Ew. (laughs) If you're going to leave a negative review, like please leave positive reviews on things that you like. You know, like if you like the podcast, leave a positive review. We need more positive in the world, you guys. Okay. Okay. Talking Back to it. About, sorry. Um, oh, influencer funny. brands use marketing. <laughs> so I am a person who, you know, was in the industry forever. I have Google alerts for sober curious, uh, for women in alcohol, et cetera. And so I get the inside scoop and what wine industry magazine and wine lobbyists and alcohol brands are writing about like Mm. their perspective too. So I'm going to share that, but I want you to talk about the behind the scenes of influencer. Yes. So mommy wine culture is so prevalent and I'm going to talk mostly about Instagram because that's probably where I spend the most time and where I see it the most. You know, I think the last time I was on your podcast, I talked about Molly Sims, but there are these big 
influencers. And I was actually just texting with a friend yesterday and she was like, why does Molly Sims, like, why do these people keep sharing these highly dangerous reels, right? Where she's saying, oh, isn't it cute? My doctor told me I need more vitamin C. And so I'm putting orange juice in my tequila this morning. Like, isn't that cute and funny? This morning. This morning, right? And by the way, here's the brand I use. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Or like, this is how moms get through daylight saving time. And I'm going to pour a whole bottle of wine into my Stanley cup, right? So I'm not only going to binge drink, but I'm going to hide my drinking and I'm going to drink to cope with motherhood during the day. And it's also her branded wine, right? Like, so why do they keep sharing it? They keep sharing it because First of all, they don't realize, and I don't, they're not off the hook for not realizing because when you have an audience of 500,000 or a million followers, you need to educate yourself and what you're sharing, right? So they don't realize how dangerous alcohol is. They don't realize how addictive it is. They don't realize that like female drinking went up 41% since the COVID pandemic began. They and don't realize- drinking among mothers of yes. children under five years old went up 323%. Yes. And deaths, alcohol-related deaths, and including among young people, we're talking like 30s and 40s, typically alcohol-related deaths increased 2% a year. And Mm. in the year after the pandemic, it spiked 25%. Oh my God. That- is scary. That's harrowing. They don't know all these things, right? And like I say, like that doesn't mean like we give them a pass and say, well, they don't know it. No, they should be. And we must expect them to be informed if they are putting out reels to their millions of followers. Because the problem is, and here is the lie with mommy wine culture and influencing. The lie is that Molly Sims is not drinking tequila in her orange juice in the morning. She's not, right? That's the first lie. And then someone will say, well, what if she is? To that, I would say, well, if she is, she's still lying because then she's not showing the effects and she's not Mm -hmm. being truthful about if she is hiding her drinking in the morning, then she's not being truthful about the addictive qualities of alcohol and how it affects her mothering and her business. But... I'm going to tell you she's not doing that because she is running a business. She is a mom. She's highly successful. She looks like a million bucks. She's not doing that. Her followers, though, are. They are finding this very relatable, and they're finding solace in the fact that someone like Molly Sims is drinking alcohol in the morning to cope with motherhood. Oh, And good. an entire bottle of wine. And an entire bottle of wine to get through daylight saving. And they're thinking, oh, thank God. I'm seeing me in this reel. I'm going to like it. Look at how many other people are liking it. Good. I'm not alone. The problem is Judy in Iowa is not Molly Sims. She is drinking more to cope with motherhood because everything around her is telling her that it will help. She is And that it's normal. Right. And what do we want to feel about our drinking? 
we want to feel okay. And like, we want to feel okay about ourselves. And so all of those, those reels that seem funny and haha, isn't that cute? You know, Judy in Iowa is saying, okay, thank God. Thank God I'm not alone in this. But then what happens is the alcohol does its job and it does what it's supposed to do. And your tolerance goes up and you end up drinking more and then you're addicted and you're thinking, what is wrong with me? I don't look like Molly Sims. I'm not able to mother in the way that I thought I would. I'm not able to run my business because now I'm addicted to alcohol and it's something wrong with me. That's shame, right? When we think that it's just me, it's a weakness in me that I can't handle my drinking and that I can't somehow fit alcohol into the cracks of motherhood like it seems like everyone else around me can. We don't talk about it because if we talk about it, holy shit, we got to go to AA. We got to call ourselves an alcoholic. And so then it's this shame spiral and shame is really icky to feel. We're not going to feel it. And then so we drink and you can draw a line back to these reels that are trying to be relatable and funny. And Molly Sims has no idea that she's doing big alcohol's dirty work. Are we certain? Yes. Really? That doesn't mean that she is uh, off the hook, and that doesn't mean she shouldn't be held accountable. I think I shared with you when I did a campaign for Kettle One, and doesn't it just piss you off that, like, I just picture these, you know, the guys in the suits being like, make it pink, and then they'll buy it. They think we're so fucking stupid, and it turns out we're tricked into being yeah. like, well, this is pink. Oh, it can't be that bad. It's pink. You guys, there's flowers on it. And yeah, by the I, way, there is, I have all the research, which we could talk forever yeah. about the information and studies that were done in the alcohol industry in terms of like, they were hitting a ceiling with men. Yes. And by the way, it's like the tobacco industry, hook them young, but then we're killing off our own customers. So yes. they're like, okay, we have to expand market share. Let's go after women. Yeah. They didn't have a choice. And it's almost like in the day when light cigarettes, like Marlboro lights, right. And we thought like, well, I, you know, I smoked Marlboro lights in college because like, I'm not going to smoke Marlboro. That's too much nicotine and tobacco, but light. And there was a class action lawsuit against, you know, the thank you for smoking, all of that stuff and thinking that, oh, we've been tricked because we thought light cigarettes were better for us. Yeah. And it's the same fucking thing. Yeah. It's like, well, we thought that the pink bottle of alcohol wasn't ethanol. It's not like Jack Daniels. It's pink. Oh my God. There are bottles of wine literally named Mommy's Mom. Oh, and Mom Water. Mom I, Water. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So does Molly Sims know that she's doing big alcohol's dirty work? No, but she does know. She does know that she's lying. Yeah. And she does know that she is not addicted to alcohol. I don't think, because I don't think a lot of us know, unless you spend time researching and looking into it, I don't think a lot of us realize how calculated this is. Yeah. Although there was a huge backlash against Tropicana when they did this campaign 
on social, by the way, with Molly Sims and a bunch of other people like hiding their alcohol consumption in their closet or in the laundry, or there was like a um, refrigerator disguised, I think as a uh, laundry hamper. And there was such a backlash against it that the ad was pulled. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure they were like, haters going to hate. You guys are so uptight. But I mean, unless she totally was oblivious to that, like the campaign was pulled. Yeah, I guess I assume she doesn't realize how dark and how dangerous it is because she keeps posting it. Maybe that's like the hopeful part of me. I mean, you look at, you know, there was all that like when J-Lo came out with an alcohol line or whatever, everyone is up was up in arms. Like she doesn't even drink. And I'm like, you guys, exactly. This is the quiet part out loud. You're yeah. seeing these people who are sharing the, the ads and the in the reels and all of the social media stuff and all of the posts. They don't do it either. Because well, that- and by the way, Blake Lively did yes. too, which I was so disappointed yes. in because she has never drank right. and she had Betty Buzz and it was held mm-hmm. up as, oh, look at all these amazing influencers. I mean, I'm trying to remember whether Katy Perry had one and whether Gigi she Hadid. Has like or- an, yeah. Does Katy Perry have like the alcohol removed wine or something? I'm trying to remember what it I is. I know. And There's I so should much. Know, but Blake Lively had Betty Buzz, I believe, and it was alcohol yeah. free. And she did this whole thing about wants to have great tasting, sophisticated XYZ without alcohol. And then she just released Betty Buzz infused with alcohol. And I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake. I know. And hopefully I look at that as like, oh, well, yes. Okay, good. Now at least it's coming to the surface. Like it's very clear. We've touted Blake Lively as like, see, she's cool. She's one of us. And now she's releasing out. It's like, oh, well, this is a very clear lie. Meaning one of us alcohol-free people. One of us like sober chic, you know? And the (laughs) other thing I do love though is more celebrities are talking about the fact that they stop drinking for XYZ reasons. And, you know, they're Gen Xers, a lot of them, right? They're like Drew Barrymore, Kelly Ripa, Jen Garner is talking about it, taking breaks from alcohol, worrying about her alcohol consumption, what's too much and Hathaway. So it goes both ways. So tell me about your Kettle One campaign. Okay. So, and this was like early, maybe 2017 when I had kind of just started monetizing. It was more like the Wild West influencing was. There wasn't, like I didn't have an agent. And when you start, like I was just like, oh, okay, you'll pay me. Great. You know, morals out the window. I don't do that anymore, you guys. And it was for their their uh, botanical line. You know, they put flowers on the bottles, guys. That means that it's it's healthy. It's not ethanol. It's a lie. So yeah, I, I took the campaign. I made it look very glamorous because I know how to do that. I sat by my pool and like, you know, look, look at what life could be if you have Kettle One Botanicals in your glass. And then I poured it right down the drain. I did not even take a sip because even when I was drinking, I just didn't drink vodka. I did not like vodka. And so it was a lie. 
Yeah. Would anyone even looking at that ad campaign know it was a lie? No. No, they'd be like, um, ooh, I haven't tried the botanicals. Right. I it's like Suzanne. Like, Her life looks fabulous. Yes, you know? right. And in reality, vodka had nothing to do with that. And I think we know that with ads. Like we know that George Clooney isn't drinking his tequila on the motorcycle, right? But social media gets tricky because when we think we know our influencers and when we know their kids' names, we know how long they breastfed. No, like trust. Yes. Just implicitly trust. Like we're in their homes. And even when it's not an ad, even if it's just a quote unquote funny reel to be relatable so that Molly Sims can get likes, it's still a lie. Yeah. And by the way, we do this. I used to do this. And now when you're in early sobriety, I highly recommend you mute. You don't Mm. have to unfriend, you don't have to block, but mute friends who are constantly posting about alcohol. And again, I don't cringe at my Facebook memories, Mm. but I do look at them to remember how deep I was because I was the one posting about oh my God, such a hard day, but now I've got a bottle of wine with my girlfriend and thank the Lord. But if you, and you can see this, it's shorthand. It's a metaphor for sophistication, for a night out, for a date night. How many people take pictures of their cocktail, your Mm -hmm. friends, not influencers, and post it as a oh my God, thank God I'm having a date night Mm -hmm. with my husband or on vacation or a night out with my girlfriends. And like how many people go on vacation and take pictures of their feet with their cocktail at the beach? Yes. I mean, it's all lies, right? We have no idea. And we're getting hip to social media and, and realizing how much goes on behind it. But I still think influencers are very confusing to people. It does feel still kind of wild west and that we will trust. And we don't realize that big influencers are brands. They have marketing goals. They have sales metrics. It's a brand. And it's not just some mom who's sharing some tips that help her. Yeah. By the way, so like I said, being in the marketing industry and behind the scenes for like forever. I pulled up net influencer, which is so helpful. Mm. And just kidding. Can I read you the article about how to use influencer marketing for alcohol brands? This is so helpful. How popular is the alcohol industry? It amounts to 261 billion industry expected to expand 11% year on year. This statistic highlights the significance that alcohol has on Western society and exemplifies the true competitiveness of the entire industry. Exciting tip, the alcohol industry also saw an incredible boom during 2020, Mm. an effect that was said to be caused by the conditions of the pandemic. The Beverage Information Group also a fabulous lobbying group, notes that alcohol consumption increased by 45 million cases. So helping to further understand how prevalent 
alcoholic beverages can be on the common consumer. So I will link to this article Mm. in my show notes. Gives you useful information about can influencers promote alcohol on social media? Yes, they can. As long as they disclose, influencers must not promote alcohol if more than 28.4% of their audience is under age 21. You know, so details, details. So, you know, they have fabulous, you know, examples of successful campaigns and then best practices for promoting alcohol with influencers. Number two, do not promote any distasteful activity. Your influencer marketing campaign should highlight the most attractive selling points of your product without referring to any type of alcohol abuse. This means not showing influencers to be intoxicated or violent. Instead, ensure your influencer is describing how the drink tastes and showcasing safe and healthy alcohol consumption. Safe and healthy alcohol. So in other words, don't show what the alcohol does. Just show the bottle because we're too embarrassed by the effects of what we're selling. So don't show that. Just take a picture of the bottle and then shut up. Yeah, like you did, buy the pool. So a different article that is an open influence, right? Alcohol and spirits brands once spoke to the masses with glossy TV ads and billboards, but now the new growing alcohol marketing strategies are sweeping the industry in the form of influencer marketing. Influencer marketing pulls in big business for brands, the spend is supposed to hit $7 billion in 2019 and is expected to reach over $8 billion by 2024. And why? Better niche targeting, engaged followers, and brand humanization, just to name a few fantastic benefits. I mean, this is not accidental. This is not accidental. And by the way, it works. It works. What stuck out to me in that first one was like, because of the issues with the COVID pandemic, you know, alcohol use was raised by whatever. And like, yeah, the issues, that's what we're going to get. Like, that's the point. The issues were, were all mental health related that we were, we were searching for connection and belonging and escape and help with anxiety and help with sleep and help with, and all of that shit alcohol makes worse while yeah. we're getting addicted to it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ugh. And by the way, trends to watch mm-hmm. at home drinking. Mm. Oh my yeah. God. And this is what, because obviously at home drinking during the pandemic and the pandemic response way increased. I don't, because you probably have that metric, but I I know that it went up. And what happens when we see our influencers in our phone, they're in our homes, right? They're in our homes. We don't feel alone when our favorite influencer is in our home on our phone and she's drinking too. And Mm -hmm. so it doesn't feel like we're drinking alone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean- talking a different one, talking about the shifts in alcohol marketing and to combat the issue of being hard for brands to stand out from the crowd, the use of influencer marketing has been essential for many alcoholic beverage producers to boost sales, increase brand awareness and become household names. And the reason they love that influencers, right? No, like trust. And I'm saying this even Mm -hmm. from 
a big product brand who so much of our budget shifted Mm -hmm. to digital marketing, to influencer marketing. Like I said, we played a single influencer, 20,000 a pop, over 100,000 in a year for like the smallest posts. And by the way, they converted better than anything else. Yeah. But no like trust factor Mm -hmm. in targeting. You can target specific groups Mm -hmm. that are interested in wine, are lookalike audiences of your email list, have a propensity to buy alcohol or follow wine enthusiast magazine, by the way. So did I. So people who drink a lot and who have X amount, you know, are in the top 25% of income. You can target women who are married, who have kids, everything else. And your marketing and the influencers you choose are very specific to that, Mm -hmm. meaning the campaigns appeal to you. Oh, totally. And then on the influencer side of it, it's there like deliverables from, you know, any campaign, especially an alcohol campaign. Kettle One wasn't the only one I did, but I did wine. I did other ones too. Very specific. I think people would be shocked at the amount, the contracts and the deliverables and everything that that goes in to one sponsored post on Instagram, especially when alcohol is involved. Yeah. And then they report, right? You, you report details on sales. The other thing I would say, which is interesting as Gen Xers. So the biggest drinkers of wine, I mean, this podcast on the conversation, it was with reporters and PhDs who'd written dissertations on alcohol and the changing nature of consumption with Gen Z. But they very specifically said that 2005 was the high of binge drinking among young people. So I graduated Mm. college in 97. You probably graduated 2002. 2002. Um, And they want to, you know, hook consumers when they're young. So they're Mm -hmm. very worried about the Gen Z change. The alcohol industry produced a report. This is for industry people saying the American wine industry has an old people problem. They Mm. need to make changes fast to find an audience with younger consumers. So this executive vice president, a longtime analyst of the American wine industry said the biggest growth area for wine was among 70 to 80 year olds, followed by 60 to 70 year olds, and then down 40 year olds. I'm 47, huge, huge drinkers. But they have to figure out how to attract younger audiences. And trust me that a lot of money is going into that. They have to figure it out. And that's why it does feel like with Gen Z at the helm, it feels like alcohol is definitely going to have a cigarette problem. In 20 years, it's going to be like, holy shit, did you know that, you know, we look at, you know, doctors in cigarette ads now as insane and people could smoke in hospitals. And now that's insane. I think that in 20 years, 
I hope anyway, we will look at, you know, wine bottles promoting breast cancer awareness, just the same as we look at doctors smoking now. Yeah. I feel like there's going to be a class action lawsuit against big alcohol. Yeah. What are you doing tomorrow? (laughs) Should we do it? Let's do it tomorrow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's just write it up. Do we have to add up the number of alcohol we consumed? But like before, I've been tracking it. And in my first 30 days alcohol-free, I did not ingest 40 bottles of wine. I mean, wow. I'm five. Three. You're little. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm not little, but little. I'm short. <laughs> I mean, so... Yeah. I consumed a shitload of wine, multiplied that over yeah. 20 years. Damn, baby. Damn. I mean, it's insane. And I think that all of this stuff is not widely known. It's just mm-hmm. not. We don't know how dangerous alcohol is. And we don't realize all of the marketing dollars that are being put to make sure women drink it. That's why we're doing it, guys. That's why we're going to. Yeah. We're just so you can be informed consumers, like, you know, the French paradox back in the day, asked the question on 60 minutes and just took hold about like, why are French people so healthy? It's probably because they drink wine, red wine every day. Heart healthy. Um, Yeah. They also buy, you know, food for dinner every night. They walk a ton, all this stuff. They eat a lot of different foods that are, you know, more healthy, but forget that, right? And then there was the one study, which has been disproven like literally 17 million times, that moderate drinkers are healthier than people who don't drink at all. And for all the reasons it's untrue, but also because the people who don't drink at all often have illnesses where they Mm. can't drink or they used to have a problem with addiction. They used to be huge drinkers, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it's just, anytime you're confused, just replace alcohol with cigarettes and think about how insane that would sound. Like Mm -hmm. moderate smokers are healthier than people who don't smoke. To us, that sounds batshit crazy. And it's the same thing with alcohol. It's just that big tobacco was sued and now they have to have those labels on it. And it's more widely known how dangerous and addictive it is. Yeah. And the thing is, which I completely and totally agree with, like we do shit every day that is not good for us, right? Every single one of us often understands that the choices we make are not good for us and we choose to do it anyway. What I want to highlight is that with alcohol, we don't know that it's not good for us. Like 70% of American women are not aware that alcohol causes cancer, seven times of cancer, just not aware, just know that. Just know, I mean, most people don't know that alcohol is ethanol. We don't know that there's no difference between alcohol like wine and Jack Daniels. Mm-hmm. We don't know that White Claw is actually has more alcohol than some beers. We don't know that because of marketing. And, well, so, yeah. and not only that, we don't know all the damage it causes. Yes. And especially um, anxiety. My mom's a therapist and anxiety is 
I just, I don't know someone who's not been plagued by anxiety, especially moms, especially women, especially with this in the age of overwhelm that we find ourselves in. I just don't know. And that's always the root of it for me is that not only do women not know how dangerous and addictive alcohol is, but they've been taught that it will help yeah, and that it will help make motherhood easier. It helps relax you, quote unquote. It helps yes. you sleep, all of which is untrue. All but of which is untrue. I was completely and totally oblivious to it. To the point where I would go to my psychologist and say, I am waking up at three in the morning. I am so stressed. I'm so overwhelmed. And she prescribed me with no question. I'm sure I had originally on my intake form said I drank a couple of drinks a couple of times a week, prescribed me Ambien. And I was drinking Mm. a bottle of wine a night and taking Ambien, which is so dangerous. That's how Heath Ledger um, died. Died in my sleep. Yeah, that's how Heath Ledger as died. A mom of a one-year-old. Yeah, you know? I mean malpractice. I mean that that's like so dangerous. And the problem with our healthcare practitioners is they are so stressed, so overworked from COVID and everything like that that they also have are turning to alcohol. And if she were to talk to you about your alcohol use and how dangerous it is, first of all, a lot of them don't don't realize because they're not taught it then she would have to look at her own. And as we know, it can be really scary to look at our alcohol use and our relationship with alcohol because of everything we've taught. And I can't tell you how many private clients I have who are doctors, who are therapists, right? And they're deep in it too. Yes, They're also looking to justify and dismiss their own alcohol content. A lot of them have been like, dude, I feel like fraud. Like I deal with people like nurses with addiction, you have that inner anxiety or they're oblivious, right? All their friends drink that much on social. And again, not judging. I mean, I could tell you all the stories about me gifting my girlfriend's books called nap time is the new happy hour and sippy cups are not for Chardonnay. Like that was like my go-to your pregnant gift. So for real, not judging, but like, you know, once you know, you can't unknow. I hope that we can have compassion for ourselves and and just talking about how deeply rooted this is. This is why we've all been tricked, right? There's not a weakness in us that good marketing worked and on, on everybody, you know, I was just in the hospital, like for, I'm fine. I'm fine. But there was a nurse and she and I connected and we were talking and, uh, you know, I hate small talk, but I'll talk about like family issues. I'm like, what's your name? And like, what trauma are you carrying? You know, like, let me, let's get into it. So she said that she stopped drinking. She was 30. She just turned 30 and she stopped drinking because of everything she kept seeing in the hospital that was alcohol related yeah. of her four patients. So I was one of them two were detoxing from alcohol. And she said, that's definitely not rare. It's every day. I don't think even people realize that you can die from detoxing from alcohol, not opioids, right? Like detoxing from opioids is safer than detoxing from alcohol. You can get all the seizures and what what's it called? I can't remember what it's called. Delirium oh. tremors. It's 
it's so dangerous to detox from alcohol. And she kept seeing it. And so she stopped drinking. I was like, wow, good for you. See that 30 year old. So impressed by people who stopped drinking young. I mean, I I did not stop till I was 40. I stopped Mm -hmm. in the year I was 40. I could have kept going easily. I had just been worried about my alcohol consumption for a decade. And my mental health was what made me stop. It was not worries about my physical health. It was, I felt like I couldn't cope. I would like Mm. sometimes lay in bed tingling, just trying to get through the day. And of course I like blamed it on work, but also I was like, fuck, it's the alcohol. I know Mm. that. Mm. Yeah. When you know, deep down, then, you know, you know, so and it is separately also the marketing is changing just so you're aware. So these studies, and again, this is the lobbying industry for the alcohol industry, which is big, big bucks. They're also Mm -hmm. influencing health practitioners. They're also influencing the laws about what you can market and the warnings, but They said marketing to younger consumers ought to amplify sustainability and social responsibility, a subject that wine is well positioned to highlight. Health awareness is an area where wine has also seen success with so-called, literally, this is the industry, so-called clean wines. Oh, Cameron Diaz's. A largely meaningless term meant to imply healthfulness they're doing well. Does it say largely meaningless? So-called clean wines, a largely meaningless term meant (laughs) to imply healthfulness. By the way, this is not an in-depth news article. This is a report to the alcohol industry about how to succeed. Goes on to say hard seltzers with a clear message of no added sugars and few ingredients have excelled with health-minded consumers. Unlike wine, seltzers are required by the Food and Drug Admin to add nutritional labor, by the way, unlike wine, to their packaging, which works to their advantage. The wine industry has long resisted requirements for ingredients and nutritional information. So like right. if you see this marketing, so-called clean wines, a largely meaningless term. You guys, that's straight from them. That's not yeah. even us saying it. They know it. They know that this organic <laughs> wine is bullshit. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, organic ethanol, it's largely meaningless. That's insane. Yeah. Okay, well we're going to be we're going to be too smart for them. We are. We're going to spread it far and wide. We don't care if it's pink. We don't care if you put flowers on the bottle. We don't care if it's healthier, if it's organic. Oh my God. So many breast cancer campaigns, including at my husband's school, like coaches against cancer basketball tournament are giving away baskets of wine. And I like (laughs) lean over to my husband and I was like, do you know that people who drink a glass of wine three times a week have a 15% higher rate of breast cancer, which increases with every glass of wine by 10%. Like, you know, no one knows that. Not that I'm worried about my future. (laughs) I know no one knows that. 
I didn't know it. I didn't know before I stopped. No. Breast cancer has an entire fucking month. The alcohol industry. Yes. Yes. Oh, they capitalize on that shit. Oh my God. And like whatever proceeds of this wine will go to, you know, 15% proceeds will go to Susan G. Komen. You guys, and they know they're laughing all the way to the fucking bank. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Online, Online sales of alcohol is huge now. That was one of the pandemic changes, online ordering. Yeah. And I mean, everything from where you click, A-B testing, how people understand, et cetera, et cetera. But again, article in the publication, The Drinks Business, SVB Report, I mean, Silicon Valley Bank, State of the U.S. Wine Industry, in 2023, in January, older Americans are the only area of growth in wine consumption. It's getting ready for a recession. The only people who are drinking more wine than previous surveys are people over 60. By the way, this is something they are incredibly worried about and going to put millions of dollars to change. Yes. And they're coming for you. They're coming for us. They're coming for women and moms. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, in the report, the report reads, amazingly, people over 60, their share of spend is still growing. The median boomers, those born 1946 to 1964, are on the other side of their normal retirement age of 66. And the spend in that cohort, again, that is still growing. Literally, the industry report will have to decline unless they somehow get a reprieve from death and taxes. That's crazy. You guys. They're saying the quiet part out loud. They are. They are in their report. Unless they're in the wine, beverage, drinks, industry report. Oh my God. Okay. What's, what's some good news? (laughs) Oh, tons of good news. The non-alcoholic beer, wine and spirits industry is the only growing segment of the alcohol industry by 30% year over year. My absolute favorite athletic brewing company has become a billion dollar company in four years. I mean, amazing. I interviewed the founder of it. He quit drinking and was like, he was a hockey player from new England. He was like, I don't want to feel like I'm in the penalty box when I go to a bar. So I want to develop X, Y, Z. Oh, I see what he did there. I see what he did there with the penalty box. And, you know, they sponsor the iron man. They sponsor that's amazing. They have influencers who are Olympians, right? Using this in a positive way. Gen Z and millennials are drinking significantly less than their parents and grandparents at Mm. the same age. They do realize the mental health issues. They realize the cancer issues. They realize the shit that goes down, including violence, bad decisions, Mm -hmm. the propensity of sexual assaults that occur when women are intoxicated, but also when men are intoxicated. Yes. They are wise to this shit. Mm -hmm. And Gen X, 
our generation, women, mothers still drinking a lot, but starting to decline. Yeah. As we get wise to it, as people talk about it, as people talk about it openly, as there are more options to stop drinking than calling yourself an alcoholic and going to a 12, right. 12 step right. program. Although if that helps you, God bless you, do it. It works yeah. for some people, but it also, if that's the only option, it yeah. stops a lot of people from stopping drinking. So like is that enough good news? There's That's great news. news. That's great news because it's so hopeful and it really does feel like the tide is turning. It might be mm-hmm. turning slower than we want it to be, but it's turning. And I always say like I, I started as a mommy and style influencer. And when I stopped drinking in January, 2020, I mean, it took me a while. It took me a couple of months. I think June is when I started sharing it. I have a business mind. I would not have gone, you know, full out on sobriety and sharing it and creating the podcast and the community and the space and and shifting my kind of suite into more sobriety if it wasn't getting good engagement and if it wasn't working. If there wasn't an audience for it, I wouldn't have shared it and I wouldn't have shifted. That always makes me feel hopeful. Like, oh, people really need to hear this message of sobriety. And and you get a lot of shit. I I get get a lot of shit. shit For, (laughs) you know, if you really cared, you would do this for free. And what I would say is I do, I truly, truly, really care. Mm -hmm. And I left a pretty lucrative full-time job to do this. And I am a was the primary breadwinner in my family. I am not anymore because I'm still building a business, but I am certainly doing this absolutely full time as a way to contribute and support my family. So yes, I mean, um, there is no shortage of women who are struggling with this and that's good news and bad news. The good news is you are not alone. You are absolutely not alone. alone. If you are struggling with this, if you are worried, if you rationalize this every single day, if you say you're not going to drink, but by 5 p.m. you are buying wine, if you pour out your wine and the next day buy more, you are not alone and it is not your fault. Yeah, you're not alone and you don't have to be silent. You can, yeah. you can speak up and that doesn't mean that you will have to wear this label for the rest of your life. There are other yeah. women out there just like you who are figuring it out and who are finding freedom and sobriety. And also, hey, this podcast is free. So yeah, <laughs> see, yeah, we do free things. Come on. 170 episodes for me. And 1 million downloads. You guys, it's huge. Casey, congrats. I'm so glad we had this talk. I'm excited about that. It has been a labor of love. There has been nothing else in my life that I've done every single week for 38 months other than produce this podcast. It's huge. And and you should feel every bit of that because that's incredible. And what you've done in your community and just what you're putting out in the world and, and showing what's possible. But I, I get a ton of out of it too. Like we're friends, yeah. Jill from Sober Powered and I are yeah. friends. I have met so many women and authors and thought leaders in the addiction space, but also in the mental health space, New York Times bestselling authors. 
that I am fangirling over and I learn every single week and just feel fulfilled by it. So it's not like I don't get anything out of it. This is my favorite thing. I mean, it's pretty damn cool. We just get to sit and talk behind a microphone and connect and learn. Just so you guys know, there's so many of us coaches and podcaster in this space. We are not competitive no. because, oh my God, women who have quit drinking are the coolest. Yes. And it's just like, I admire the work you're doing and it is work. It's work. It is work. And I admire you and we learn so much from each other. You inspire me. I always say I I don't gatekeep. There's nothing like I am... I'm an open book and, and it's just such a, I mean, our podcast network, I love shout out to Jill. Yeah. I love it. I love collaborating and I love this. All right. So this is a collab episode. So it's going out on your podcast and my podcast. And that's awesome because we've talked and I feel that this is a truly important topic just because you see it everywhere. And I know so many women, myself included, who are so deep in believing this stuff. And when you stop drinking, there is like all the phases, right? Denial, you know, bargaining, yada, yada. Anger is once you stop, you're just like, oh my God, this is everywhere. And These are not true. I've been duped. I've and been tricked. What the fuck? Right, right. I've been tricked. And I get pissed. I get pissed at the trickers. And I also get pissed at alcohol. And I'm like, yeah. you know what? Alcohol doesn't give a fuck about me. I'm not going to let it anywhere near me anymore. Like, yeah. I'm done being tricked. We're good. And by the way, like you said this too, your friends are like, oh, I still drink. Like, oh my yeah. God, my husband drinks. Yeah, mine too. All of my friends who I drank with drink. Like I said, we do stuff all the time, all the time that we know is not good for us. Trust me. I do plenty of shit. That's not good for me. Um, That is a choice. We just want you to be aware. Like I tell people, oh my God, at my husband's gala, you know, to raise money for a school, which was held at a winery. I live very close to 90 tasting rooms, like nine zero. It's the biggest uh, wine area in the state of Washington, other than where they grow four hours away, all the wines, where I used to go on all my anniversary weekends. (laughs) Yeah, I loved it, including with my 18 month old son. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was at a winery and then all the parents and the other faculty and and now my son goes there. So friends, you know, parents in the grade are like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, actually I'm a sobriety (laughs) coach for women. And they immediately like it. It is so (laughs) totally look at their wine. They physically take a step back, which is not conscious. It's just a reaction. And then yeah. they tell me, oh, actually, I don't drink that much, yada, yada, right. yada. And You're I'm like, like, I don't care. I'm not judging you. <laughs> well, I, I'm like, oh my God, I don't care. I yeah. was the biggest drinker. I help women who want to change their relationship with alcohol. Anyone who doesn't, like, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. 
it just goes to show that any anybody's reaction to our sobriety is all about their relationship with alcohol. And like, yeah, we're just holding up a they, mirror. What's funny is we're so worried they're judging us. Yes. And, the and they're worried reason, that the only reason that they take a step back and look at their wine and talk about it is because they're worried about you liking them. Yes. And that like, we're judging them. Yeah. Yeah. No judgment. And we're worried that they're judging us for yeah. having a problem with alcohol. Right. Yeah. Yes. Or that we're lame or that we're whatever. Right. So anyway, yes. we could talk all day. I know we could. Oh my gosh. All Thank right. you for this. Thanks. Oh, I love it. I love I it. Love and it I too. knew I wanted to talk about this and I knew you were the perfect person. Oh, thank you. Yeah. All it. right. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, um, guys. Yeah. All right. Next Bye. time. Yeah. Till next time. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen five stars is amazing. Also follow me on Instagram at the sober mom life. Okay. I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. How do you start? This is how I start. Oh my God. Hi guys. (laughs) Can I start? Yes. How about you were like, hi guys. And I'm like, hi guys. Okay. I'm going to keep this part for the bloopers. I'm going to play some bloopers at the end of mine. <laughs> what do you mean? Like this stuff? Yeah. This okay. Funny. <laughs> okay, cool. Basically when Jill from sober power and I get together, yeah. we somehow we're talking about like total real expertise. And we somehow always tell stories about where we threw up. Like that's a whole all the time. We're like, well, I've thrown up in a, you know, cab on myself. That was me on the way to the airport with another director, a male director in my company, like literally threw up on myself because I had no bag. And Jill's like, well, I've thrown up on myself in a taxi. Oh my God. I threw up in a taxi, but like somehow I did get the door open, which how on earth? I have no idea. We were in Chicago and we were stopped. But otherwise, I mean, I feel like these are the stories people want to hear. People want to hear where we've thrown up. That's important. Yeah. I was saying to my husband, I was like, maybe he'll think I'm pregnant. And he was like, (laughs) yeah, except he saw you like fucking drunk as whatever the night before. And then I was like, maybe he won't tell anyone. And he was like, you threw up on yourself. I'm pretty sure he's going to tell someone. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's already told people he was right before he he got out of that cab. He was, he was just like, oh my God, Casey puked on herself all over the goddamn taxi like the taxi driver was so pissed of course and I I ran into the airport bathroom and changed my clothes and then of course I went to to him once we'd gotten through security and was like oh my god I get so carson oh yeah (laughs) I throw up all the time I'm so embarrassed you're like Like, I get carsick and I might be pregnant (laughs) (laughs) anyway okay we're gonna cut this for the beginning right okay we're gonna leave it in for mine
<laughs> Just an FYI. All right. That's cool. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.